Welcome back. At the beginning of the sixth chapter of Yoshua, the nation is poised to begin its conquest with the walled city of Yericho. God promises Yoshua a successful defeat of the city and gives him instructions to, to approach as follows. For six days, once every day, the fighting men would march around the city with seven priests carrying ram's horns marching along with them. On the seventh day, the people were to do the same thing, but do it seven times, and the Kohanim, the priests, would blow the horns. As the horns were sounding, the people would shout a great shout, and the walls of the city would come tumbling down. Yoshua receives this instruction from God and passes it on to the people. Uh, an additional command comes about the battle. God commands that everything and every one inside of the city had to be destroyed, except for Rachav and for her family, in reward for uh, the assistance she provided back in chapter 2. In addition, all the gold, silver, iron, and copper found in the city during the battle was to be given to God's storehouse for ritual use. The battle goes as planned. The people follow the instructions. They defeat the city. They burn down the city. They don't take any spoils for themselves. And then at the end, Yoshua places a curse, apparently without God's sanction, saying that anyone who tries to rebuild the city of Yericho will be punished through the death of his children. And then at the very end, the chapter informs us that Yoshua, following this battle, achieves fame and renown throughout the land. So this story of the defeat of Yericho provides a stirring, vivid image. The walls of the city tumble down at the command of God and at the people's provocation, but without any human force bringing them down. Of all the stories and images that we find throughout the book of Yoshua that social movements throughout modern history have used, this is probably one of the most obviously useful, one of the most shocking images. So what have people done with it? To start with, I'll talk about something called the Jericho Movement. The Jericho Movement is a United States-based advocacy group with regional chapters that seeks to attain, quote, recognition of the fact that political prisoners and prisoners of war exist inside of the United States, end quote. And the group, the group aims to attain freedom for these prisoners. The Jericho Movement was founded by members of various black nationalist organizations, including the Republic of New Africa and the New African Liberation Front, both spelled Africa with a K. The precipitating moment for this movement was a march on the White House in March of 1998, attended by several thousand people, calling for the release of Jalil Muntakim, also known as Anthony Bottom, his given name. Muntakim was convicted of the murder of two NYPD officers and the attempted murder of a San Francisco police officer in 1971. Additional causes that spurred the birth of the Jericho movement were protests for Sundiata Akolai, a Black Panther sentenced to life in prison for killing a New Jersey state trooper in 1974, Akalai's parole was recently denied by the Supreme Court of New Jersey on appeal, uh, protesting on behalf of Leonard Peltier, an American Indian movement red power activist convicted of killing two FBI agents in Pine Ridge Reservation at the standoff in 1975, and also for the Palestinian national cause. Now, it's uh, difficult to assess the actual size and strength of the Jericho movement. 
The organization has active blogs, an active Facebook page with over 900 likes, and it claims to have organizing committees in New York, Richmond, Chicago, L.A., Portland, and Albuquerque. In the particular causes in which the Jericho movement has been involved in protesting, sometimes the claim is that the person convicted of murder or attempted murder didn't really do it. Other times the claim is that the person did do it, but it was a justified act of revolt against the colonizing force of the police. Now, I'm quoting from one of the websites affiliated with the Jericho movement. It says as follows. The name Jericho refers to the biblical story in the book of Joshua, where people raise the clamor to destroy the oppressive walls of empire. End quote. So clearly the movement was named after the image of the battle in our chapter, the walls of Jericho tumbling down. A number of things are confusing to me about this metaphor, though. First of all, it doesn't quite match the story. In the biblical story of Jericho, the people, the army, did not bring down the walls in order to free the people inside. Rather, the people inside were the enemy, and God commanded that they be destroyed. It seems here in the Jericho movement that bringing down the walls is intended to free the prisoners trapped within them, the oppressive walls of empire. Another thing that I found confusing, but I'm an outsider, so I can confess some ignorance about, about this consistency of this, is that I found it interesting that an anti-Western African nationalist liberation movement would choose to use images from the Bible, from the Jewish Bible, the Christian Bible. In either case, it's a heritage that is not, not claimed to be internal to the African movement. It's claimed to be what the African movement rises up against. Finally, there is something awkward, I think, about the choice of story. Um, for a movement that openly affiliates itself with the Palestinian nationalist cause, to seize upon a biblical story that's literally about a people called the Israelites attacking and conquering the city of Jericho, which is today a Palestinian Arab city. Uh, moving on, though. I want to go to a, a second instance of a social movement using the image of the sixth chapter of Yeshua. A 1997 hour-long documentary film called Second Battle of Jericho, the Story of Biblical Archaeology, was released by a group called the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And the story told by this documentary might be familiar to listeners with a traditional Jewish background. The film pits the claims of secular archaeologists who challenge the biblical accounts of stories like the story in Jericho against the accounts of religious archaeologists whose acclaimed goal is to prove the stories of the Bible. The film does this by focusing in particular on the case study of Jericho. There's a long-standing debate among archaeologists about whether or not there was a city of Jericho in the 1400s BCE when Yoshua would have been leading his army into the land to conquer. The film was created by um, members of a group called the Associates for Biblical Research, a Pennsylvania-based Christian archaeological association with a quarterly publication called Bible and Spade with radio broadcasts, and they also bring trips of American Christians to archaeological digs in Israel. This group, which still exists and is still active, is dedicated to proving the truth of the Bible. The film tells a story in detail about the prevailing mainstream opinion, the position made famous by archaeologist Kathleen Kenyon, that the city of Jericho could not have existed at the time that the Bible said it was conquered, and 
portrays the mission of a group of Christian archaeologists who make findings that supposedly disprove this theory, that prove that Jericho did exist. And in fact, at the time that this dig took place, it received attention in the, in the mainstream media. There was a headline in Time magazine in March 1990 that said, Score One for the Bible. Now, until today, the dating of the city of Jericho remains an open dispute. The mainstream position is still that of Kathleen Kenyon, that the city did not exist. Um, however, the debate goes on, and the Christian group that was responsible for this documentary still maintains its position and is still a popular one. Now, I found this metaphor to be quite interesting also, in particular because I want to understand how far it's intended to go. In other words, when the group produced this documentary, and they called it the Second Battle of Jericho, there's obviously something quite clever about that, in that the, uh, the dispute over whether or not Jericho existed is a battle of sorts. It's a battle between competing schools of archaeology with very important implications. And it's a battle about whether the first battle of Jericho ever happened. And so it's clever to call it the second battle of Jericho. But I do wonder if the creators of this film intended to, to play that metaphor a little more deeply, to say that the second battle of Jericho is one in which the Israelites are the religious archaeologists, the Christian archaeologists specifically, and the, uh, and the people commanded to be destroyed and, and uprooted and destroyed from, and, and removed from the city of Jericho are the prevailing mainstream secular archaeologists who have to be removed from their place of consensus. I don't know that the people who created this film intended for their, uh, for their title to be read that way. I think it would have, uh, I think it certainly would have enhanced the message. But um, again, I, I just wonder how far the metaphor is intended to go. And I think there's an interesting direction to take it if they, if they intended for the title to be understood that carefully. Um, thank you very much. That's all for the sixth chapter of Yoshua. And please join me next time for the seventh chapter in the story of the sin of Achan.